Hi, thanks for joining us on AfterBuzz TV's American Gothic After Show. Tonight we'll be talking about Season 1, Episode 7, The Gross Clinic. Now, forget the painting in this episode. It is all about Jack for me. Stick around. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. I like the show music. I know, that starter. It's, it's appropriately creepy. It is, mm-hmm. and short and to the point, which is great. Hey, everyone, thanks so much for joining us. I am Zoe Hewitt, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zoe Said What. And sitting to my left is Lucretia. I'm Lucretia Lyon, guys, and you can always find me at L A C R E T I A L Y O N anywhere on the internet, um, since there is only one. And uh, Gabriel could not be with us tonight, but we are thinking of him. You can always find him at Double G on TV. Now, before we get going, Lucretia, it is so exciting, right, that our show is free for everyone to Mm -hmm. watch on YouTube, to listen to, and that's because of some of our awesome sponsors. Now, Loot Crate is one of our sponsors tonight, and I've got this really cool box sitting next to me for anyone who can see it. Now, with Loot Crate, you get collectibles, apparel, and more from your favorite pop culture franchises that are delivered right to your door every single month. I mean, I love mail. <laughs> and we're talking a new t-shirt in every crate. There are figures, there are comics, stuff for your kitchen. There is a wide range of exclusive items that you just can't get anywhere else. From fan favorite franchises like Harry Potter, Harry Potter, see I'm so excited I can't even say it, Marvel Comics, Fallout 4, Star Wars, so much more. I know Firefly. you're Firefly, mm-hmm. I was going to say, you want to get that <laughs> one. And you can get all this for less than $20 a month. I mean, Loot Crate, like come geek out with us. They've got everything. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service. It is for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear, and it's less than $20 a month. You get 68 items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. I mean, it's a little bit of everything, isn't it? Um, Loot Crate has a bigger box. You can get Loot Crate DX. It's the extra large size. It's a bigger box. Bigger loot. Who doesn't want that? And this month, Preacher's in the bigger loot. Mm -hmm. Oh, good to know. And every month, Loot Crate DX brings you a high caliber collection of items from your favorite pop culture franchises and delivers them right to your door. For less than $50 a month, you get at least $100 worth of goodies, from collectibles to apparel to home goods and more. And August is the perfect time to explore the murky world of the anti-hero, which sounds so exciting. Exciting. And of course, you have a promo code just for joining us on AfterBuzz TV. So you can get a discount on your loot crate. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe, and you get that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it, it's over. Uh, but if you go over to www.lootcrate.com slash buzz and enter the code buzz, B U Z Z, you'll save $3 on any new subscription. And this is the coolest box. Look at this. I was opening it and playing earlier. You get like this cool little figurine. There's a shirt in here. And it's a RoboCop t-shirt, guys. A RoboCop. Mm-hmm. That's right. I wasn't going to unfold the whole shirt, but I should have because it's awesome. And um, another figure. So really cool things in these boxes. And it's what enables us to keep our shows free. So thank you, everyone, for helping keep our shows free. Loot Crate, thank you. So tonight, though, we have such a cool show, and I'm glad that we can bring it. And uh, we opened with Christina. She was covered in blood, which is, I suppose, quite a segue from Loot Crate. But um, she's covered in blood. She's at the police station, and um, she hears that it wasn't actually Garrett who was the killer. It was Garrett's father, if you remember. The end of the last episode closed with Christina having stabbed Garrett, thinking he was the killer. And um, Detective Cutter says that, um, you know, they're going to question what's going on. And uh, the family, at the same time, she's there to question Garrett. 
excuse me, and at the same time, the family is there watching the news that says the SBK killer, the SBK was part of their family. And uh, basically, when Garrett confesses what happened, he says 14 years ago, he found rope and bells in Mitchell's things, and the very next day, David Morales was killed. He confronted his father, Mitchell, about, uh, about it, and he got very angry, and Garrett started to suspect it was him. And before he left, he said that he would expose Mitchell if the killer, or he would not expose Mitchell if the killer did not kill again. So, of course, 14 years go by, there were no kills, and Tessa basically is upset, saying, hey, you left us alone with a killer. What gives, big brother? And so what do you think? Do you think that the first thing we should be looking at with Garrett, Lucretia, is why did he leave his siblings with a killer? Well, the thing is, is with Garrett and leaving his siblings, he felt like his dad wouldn't kill them, being that they're his progeny. And that's usually how these psychopaths work, you know. Everything is okay except for their children. They're not going to do that. But, And I think that's the thing is while he is what he is or what Garrett thought he was, he's still a father who loves his children. So he's not going to harm them except for the fact that it's embarrassing that, you know, her dad's a serial killer. But that could be cool. <laughs> if you're Jack, it would be cool. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't answer the question for us either what those marks were on Garrett's body. So I think that there is still more to the story. And and he's alluded to that. We've mm-hmm. seen that, and we'll talk about it more as the episode continues. But I think there is more going on. And even though at this point in the story we hadn't heard officially there's another killer, I feel like there's clearly a cover-up going on as well. Did you get that impression, too, just right out of the gate? Yeah, I've always thought that it was definitely at least one more person mm-hmm. involved, whether, you know, it be Madeline or someone else. It was just very obvious that this couldn't have been just one person because we found out way too soon that, you know, mm-hmm. it was Mitch. That was the blood. So, yeah, I mean, they're not going to unravel a mystery that quickly, just in good writing. But to me, it's also Mitch never came off as a true psychopath. And I mean, I don't want to give him too much credit because maybe they didn't research that. But to me... I don't think he was the ringleader at all. And yeah, that's interesting. It'll be interesting to find out. I mean, we didn't get to see very much of him at all, clearly, before Madeline offed him. But you're right, there wasn't a lot. And it took us almost half of the season. We have 13 episodes. We're just at episode 7 now. So we officially have that confirmation now that, yeah, I think we're going to take the rest of the season. Although I have to say, I have a pretty strong guess for who the killer is. Oh, me too. And I've been saying it all along. You have been. You absolutely have been. Now, as the show continued, and Allison and Naomi were together, and of course, Allison and saying that we need to end the campaign. And Naomi's saying, no, you don't. No big deal. Let's run a focus group. And um, then Tessa is looking like longingly at this hot air balloon ornament in her house. And um, Brady comes in. He apologizes, of course, for assuming that Garrett was the killer. He says, don't worry. I'm going to ask for time off. We need time together. And Tessa launches into a story and says, hey, do you realize that basically my dad was taking me for a hot air balloon ride for my birthday right after the very first murder? So here she has a souvenir, but it is also a souvenir of the first murder. Now, that hot air balloon, when she started Mm -hmm. looking at it and they threw it on the ground and like, it was so creepy and it was just a hot air balloon. Did you get that same sort of feeling of chills that I did at that point? Well, especially I did because I'm from Texas and I do keep up with the news that happened there. And like literally just a few days ago, 16 people were killed in a yeah. freak accident in Lockhart, Texas of a hot air balloon. So yeah, it was a little like creepy to me, especially mm-hmm. knowing that story. And I'm sure that wasn't their intention. But yeah, just like the hot air balloon ride itself almost seems ominous to me. 
Yeah, yeah and, and, there and why would you do that? Yeah, right. There shouldn't be a reason that it's mm. ominous. And clearly, the timing with what happened yeah. in Texas was purely coincidental with the yeah. show. But it seemed so ominous. I think because she's alone in their apartment mm. and just staring, and it clearly had meaning. Yeah, but as soon as she yeah. said the date and that it was the date of the first murder, I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so right after that, of course, then we get Madeline who's talking to Garrett and says that, um, you know, she was wondering what he was going to say. And they have this sort of back and forth where he says, you know, I figured this was the best way to ke- get people to stop asking questions. And she's basically saying, yeah, good. And let's let Mitchell take the fall for everything. So clearly there's something else going on and they both know it now why do you think garrett is still keeping silent well as you've pointed out earlier about the scars on his back and i again don't think mitchell was the type of person to do that especially because you do have different viewpoints of the kids cam seems to be the only one who thinks that their dad was evil from the get-go the other two have always sort of defended mitchell in a way Mm -hmm. even garrett to an extent so to me who has always come off is the the true psychopath Mm -hmm. is madeline and this just sort of breaks it into more because garrett almost seemed afraid of her Mm-hmm. And that's what I took from that scene. And then, yeah, as you pointed out with the scars, she's probably the one who gave them to him. I could see she, her beating him, being the firstborn. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of Oedipal notions to that. And you're right. There is mm-hmm. something about her, and we've seen it more, especially mm-hmm. since we saw it in the episode with her mom, where she's very hard. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get that, I don't feel like, at first. And I didn't get that same impression that you did, that Garrett mm-hmm. was scared of her. But I definitely mm-hmm. felt like she was more in control in this than perhaps in any of the other episodes where we've seen her. Mm-hmm. That I really felt more like she is the head of this family and what she says goes. So maybe Garrett wasn't escaping his dad as much as he was escaping his mom. Yeah, and especially when we found out in the last episode that Madeline actually grew up poor. Um, That, to me, didn't seem like a Mitch M.O. as far as the Silver Bells killer attacking people um, that are wealthy families. That just screams Madeline, like I've said, all season. You have, but we don't Mm -hmm. know enough about Mitchell's history Mm -hmm. either, right? We don't know where he came from, if he was wealthy to begin with and she married into it, or did he become wealthy once they were married so i feel like i do want more of that background but i don't think we're going to get it i suspect that what we have is it yeah i would prefer more flashbacks with mitch to Mm -hmm. learn a little bit more but i'm just going with the little bits we've had and he just he seemed to be someone who who knew where he came from and you know that was it Mm -hmm. like he didn't seem to have like this deep started thing except for you know, possibly being the Silver Bells killer. <laughs> Except for that yeah, one but, little yeah. detail. <laughs> mm. Which is so funny, too, like, because even for that, I guess, I never saw a battle in from the beginning as being, I guess, quite so tough mm. as in this episode, and in last episode mm. when she was confronting her mom, for sure. So then we get to this next part that's very interesting, because Brady, who on the first side was so convinced that it wasn't someone in the family and they were going to clear the family. Then we flipped to it was Mitchell. And now Brady's in a position of actually trying to clear someone in the family again. Because we find him examining, it opens with Brady examining a gnome. Mm-hmm. He sets a timer on his car and then he drives like about out of hell to try and get, it turns out, to his family's home. To the, the main home, the Hawthorne home. And Detective Cutter sits in the car, gets out of her car there and mm-hmm. sits in with him and says like, what were you doing, basically? <laughs> Why were you driving like that from the scene of the first murder 
to this house. And um, then that's undercut with Tom on the phone, who's going to be losing his sixth client now. And Allison is mentioning her campaign. And Tom says, hey, we need to get this together. We have a relationship going and you need to decide basically which end of this relationship you're on. So it's interesting that as Brady's relationship was sort of falling apart a little bit with Tessa, now we have Allison and Tom doing the opposite and really pulling together more. Yeah, and to me, this was actually the first episode I actually felt that Allison was more human and no longer really suspect her of being involved at all. And I think that's the thing, is she was very much her father's daughter and, you know, tried to keep things hidden and just grounded, like, you know, a lot of times people do when they look up to a male, you know, prominent Mm -hmm. figure like that. But yeah, with her character, the way that she was with her daughters and Tom in this episode, you actually sort of felt for her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I felt like, especially later in the episode, that she was really, they were coming together more as a family. And I loved with Brady driving and trying to make that work and make that timing work because I just thought it was a really interesting side that now he's sort of flipped back to, even though they actually have the evidence, something doesn't sit right with him. Now, why do you think, like, do you think he suspects that Garrett is just framing Mitchell? I mean, there's blood, the DNA works. He doesn't even really mention Garrett. So I think that his is more just trying to, you know, he has Tessa's version of her dad, which mm-hmm. most people's versions of their parents are skewed, whether good or bad. So, but yeah, to, when he hears that story about the hot air balloon, he's like, how could a person go murder someone, you know, this quickly and then go have father-daughter day? That just doesn't really <laughs> add up. I mean, but you never know. I mean, it's happened before. Look, watch Dexter. <laughs> and You know, it's funny, and as you're saying that, it occurs to me, too, that it's possible now he's just back to trying to clear the family, that he wants some other explanation for the blood on the belt being Mitchell's, but he still thinks it's someone else entirely. Not that he's trying to find the person within the family, but that he's trying to find someone else. So that was interesting, as it occurred to me as you bring that up, because you're totally right. Now, then we have Cam, who's at the clinic where Christina works. He says, Garrett wants to explain to you, like, please go see him. And at the same time, we have Tessa then, who's having a panic attack at home. She calls her doctor. And then we get to one of my favorite parts of probably the whole series, I feel like. This really great lighthearted bit with a focus group. And discussing if Allison were to continue her campaign for mayor, trying to figure out how bad is it to have a serial killer for a father, which apparently is worse than bestiality, but better than actually being a killer yourself, which I just loved. I thought that was the funniest detail. Yeah, I just love that, oh, it is worse than bestiality. Really? Your dad's a serial killer is worse than bestiality. What is wrong with these Bostonites? <laughs> see, I love the part where it's, it's better than you being a killer, yeah. because I feel like... Well, yeah, it should be. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing that's better. (laughs) And it just seems so funny to me because if you are the killer, do we really want you for mayor anyway? (laughs) I think my favorite part of the whole season. But I have to say that backs right up to maybe my second favorite part of the whole season. And that's coming right up. We did have uh, Tessa who comes into Mm. Cam and Sophie's apartment. This is not my favorite big part, by the way. Um, And it turns out that Cam and Sophie are getting high and um, Tess had come in with Jack because he had basically been forgotten at school and she says, hey, Cam, you need to go to rehab. Now, Cam does go to rehab and basically looks like he's signing in there. And um, he says he wants Jack to be with Tessa. So if he objects a bit and Tessa threatens to call Child Protective Services... And then the next part that was the funny part that also stood out to me, Mm -hmm. like I said, it's one of my favorite parts, I think, this whole season, is that so um, 
Detective Cutter and Brady go back to the house, the scene of the first murder, (laughs) and it turns out that the guy who's living there is just a fan of murders in general, and especially a fan of the Silver Bells killer, and so that is the specific reason why he bought that house, and he's very eager to help them recreate the murder, and he's just game on for anything that they want to do there. So I just loved that part. I mean, wasn't that one of your favorites? Oh, yeah, and it's funny because I hate to out myself, but my family were kind of like that, where we like to stay in haunted hotel. Like, no, we've never lived in a serial killer's house, but I would totally live in, like, John Wayne Gacy's house, because, like, that's kind of cool. And, like, my hero, Trent Reznor, like, lived in um, the Tate house, where Sharon Tate was murdered by Charles Manson, and then he finally, like, bulldozed it and realized how terrible that is. Uh-huh. But, yeah, like, that is something that fascinates a lot of people. And for me, who's just studied serial killers, I would be that guy. I'd be like, oh, my God, this is so cool. This is where... <laughs> That's so and, funny. Yeah. I can't imagine that. Yeah. But I learned this about you tonight, yeah. which I thought was great, that you actually have a master's, right, in psychology. So yeah. you are the perfect person to, <laughs> to be study serial this. killers. <laughs> <laughs> but I still don't think I'd want to live yeah. in a house specifically. I think if I were living there, maybe, and I found out a murder had taken place maybe that was different and I'm stretching. But to actually move in knowing that, no go. Well, usually there's a murder house discount. And being a cheap person like I am, I would want the murder house discount. (laughs) Well, you do have to disclose if a murder took place there. This part is true. But it just boggles my mind. I cannot imagine moving specifically for that. So uh, then we've got uh, Jack, who's visiting Garrett in the hospital with Tessa. And Garrett gives Jack this bear and says, hey, you can record your own messages with it. And then we see Jack trying to strangle the bear on the floor of the hospital room while Tessa is busy telling Garrett yet again, like, hey, you never told us about dad. Why did you leave me? Um, She leaves, and then Garrett says, hey, let's get this out of your system, Jack. I know you want to see a dead body. (laughs) Jack's saying, I keep waiting for a dead body. So they creep around the hospital, poke their head in, and if you've been paying attention to all of the episode titles that um, reflect famous paintings, this is where it is, about 27 minutes in. It's the painting shot. So that's where you get it. It's when they're watching the Mm -hmm. surgery, which is also such a strange scene. Like, how did no one notice them creeping around? Why can they just push the door open and walk? the surgery well and to me it's just like if we establish it's a teaching hospital they don't do that at every hospital (laughs) it's just kind of odd i don't think you can just walk into an operating room regardless it's like no i mean even if it is a cadaver where you know sterility is not Mm -hmm. as important i'm pretty sure you still have to have a clearance and a badge that waves you in and good point you're right of course at that point it was a cadaver and the other thing i guess that we should think of in terms of the world of the show is garrett clearly had no problems then looking at a dead body either Mm. he was game on to go look uh following that then we've got naomi who is trying to uh talk allison out of dropping out of the campaign because at this point allison realizes that even bestiality would be better (laughs) than having her father as a serial killer naomi says she would stay in boston for allison and allison says that um you know she realizes she needs to make a choice basically And at the same time, then, right after that, we've got Brady and Detective Cutter, who are busy trying to stage their crime, because what Brady had realized during his crazy drive was that there wasn't quite enough time to actually drive to the scene of the first murder, commit the murder, get it all cleaned up, get the body posed, and drive back on time for the hot air balloon ride with Tessa that took place the morning of her birthday. So he and Detective Cutter are trying to actually get the timing to work, and on their sixth try, they seem to get it to work, but just barely. 
But then the owner of the house speaks up and says that actually uh, the neighbors across the street had had their house broken into, so the security system in his house had actually just been upgraded. And um, what, what they had realized at that burglary, although nothing was taken, things had been moved. They had said it was the feng shui burglar <laughs> because the curtains had been moved, there was a chair moved, and that sort of jogged Detective Cutter's mind who realized, oh, the, the chair, maybe that was setting up for the very first murder. Well, it all works out because speaking of birds, as we talk about every episode, the gnome that we saw earlier is actually a bird cam. And so they realize that they can probably go back. They still have the tape in evidence and they can go back and watch the footage actually from the day of that burglary. Now, I loved it when they were trying to get that scene straight, didn't you? That was so funny. And I love a murder house boy. He's like, as long as I can help. And he's the timekeeper. <laughs> yes. He's so into it. I feel like this is going to be the sort of thing he talks about now for the rest of his life. Like, oh, my God. I got to help out with the Silver Bells killer. You know? Yeah. <laughs> he feels like he's such a part of it. And, indeed, he gave what could be a great piece of information for them and help them crack the case because there could be extra footage of the night. Or of the killer, I should say. Now, after that, we get Madeline. She comes home. She sees that there are reporters everywhere. Allison invited them over to, um, basically, we know what's coming. Allison is going to say that she's ending the campaign. But Madeline wants to talk her out of it and basically says, hey, I made decisions and sacrifices in my life so you can live my dream. And she slaps her and (laughs) says, like, get to it, pretty much. (laughs) So Allison has her press conference says and basically says children should not be punished for the sins of their fathers and so hey i am still in now what did you make of that i thought it was really smart of allison to be honest to just start out by you know talking about the victims and Mm -hmm. to pull it into more of a um charity for Mm -hmm. the victims that's that's a politician written all over there let's take a negative and turn it into a positive (laughs) that makes money (laughs) yeah Absolutely. And I thought that Madeline, again, this was another part where I hadn't seen her leading up to this Mm. episode being quite so strong and quite so in control of everything. I mean, she really reminded me more of this episode of being like a puppet master pulling the strings than just sitting back and being part of the watching the action that she's really controlling it. Did you also feel that way with her? Oh, yeah. I've actually felt that way since the beginning about Mm -hmm. Madeline. I mean, that's the thing is usually in these families, there is a figurehead. Mm -hmm. And Mitch never seemed like that. Mm -hmm. Madeline is the one pulling all the strings. And there's just no telling what else they're going to unravel. Yeah, I agree with that. And we know Garrett's hiding something. And in fact, Christina does show up at the hospital to to talk to him. And he apologizes. And she says, you know, you were going to give me an explanation. And he says, oh, there's basically nothing else to say. And she says that she can tell he's leaving something out because he's a good liar, but his blood pressure is increasing slightly. So she does leave, but clearly now we've seen multiple times there is something more that that will come out. And again, we have the scars on Garrett's back, but I really wonder where did those come from? What is? Why would he be hiding the other killer? Mother dearest. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree there. <laughs> now, Creepy Jack has to do something, as he does. And, uh, you know, an episode actually without Jack is a sad episode, uh-huh. I feel like. Because He's so wonderfully delightful as a little demon seed. <laughs> he really is. So he shows up at the pool with Allison's twins and has his stuffed bear that um, Garrett gave him in the hospital. And he throws it on the covered pool and says, okay, if you want it, go get it. And the, the way the co- 
cover is in a pool, if you haven't been around covered pools, is that it is not a solid surface to walk across. So if you step on it, it will fall in. So he clearly realizes that as well. Sure enough, one of the twins falls in the pool and Jack just stares at her and doesn't do anything. Now, Tom does eventually rescue her, but when Tessa asks why he didn't call for help, Jack says that it was just a science experiment. Ooh, <laughs> creepy Jack. She's <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? And I felt like, why didn't Tom and Allison pick up on that? And why didn't those girls speak up? They're old enough to say Jack threw the bear. I don't want to be mean, but Allison's twins seem a little off to me. It's like, I wonder if maybe they have them on ADD medication or something, because they just seem to have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I do agree, yeah. and I just, I guess, chalked it up to they haven't written much for them, yeah. but they really only come in for such short yeah. parts. There's not much to their storyline. But it just seemed so strange to me they wouldn't write something else in. Because if we're not going to get, right, an ADD med explanation or any sort of explanation, then it felt like they would say, Jack threw the bear. (laughs) (laughs) Especially the one twin who didn't fall in the pool. Yeah. In that whole scene, like, it felt like it happened in slow motion a little bit, even. So uh, then as we head into the wrap-up of the show, there there's always some like, great stuff that happens at the end. So um, we have Cam, who is somehow suddenly strangely out of rehab. I don't know if you <laughs> noticed that. It's like, why isn't he back in there? But Tessa says that she found a place to send kids like Jack. It's up in Maine. And uh, Cam doesn't seem super on board with it. He says it's a little loony bin, but yeah. he's not... like. Why don't Cam and Sophie realize something's wrong with Jack? Uh, They're on drugs. (laughs) (laughs) That would probably be the explanation because everyone, including Madeline, is saying there is something wrong with Jack. And yet they they just don't want to see that. Yeah, I mean, he is clearly uh, Jeffrey Dahmer in training. And Jeffrey Mm -hmm. Dahmer's parents even say, because, you know, they... We're fairly normal people, and not every, you know, body comes from a, like, line of psychopaths like this family. And that's the thing, is they talk about in their book about how they saw all these little things, like we're seeing with Jack, like the the mutilating animals that, you know, tricking the twins into possibly falling and, you know, drowning. And they said they saw things like that, but just just dismissed them, just like, Mm -hmm. you know, Cam and Sophie are. Because you don't want to think that of your own child. Everyone else around you can see it, but (laughs) you're like, oh, no, not Jack, not Jeffrey. (laughs) And it's it's so... Strange, yeah. like I feel like people want to say, "Oh, kids develop differently," yeah. or they have quirks. But exactly, this is so far past that. I feel like at most, this could be a lead into like another season of the show that's more of a spinoff, like twenty years later when Jack is a killer, because we know that something's wrong with this kid. Well, most um, killers start at such a young age, like Jack is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of the prolific serial killers like Dahmer and Bundy started when they were teenagers, so we wouldn't even have to go very we far. To go far, exactly. Now, Tom is putting the twins to bed. Allison joins them and makes a very pointed comment that she loves the three of them Mm. more than anything else, which then leads us to her next conversation with Naomi, where Naomi is excited because, hey, we've gotten $80,000 in money in just six hours since your campaign speech. And Allison says, but hey, I would actually rather lose this race and keep my family. And, like, goodbye, Naomi. And that's juxtaposed with Tessa, who's getting a voicemail from her doctor saying, hooray, you're pregnant. (laughs) So those were a couple of our first bombs in the last part of the show. So first thing, Tessa being pregnant. I feel like it's not Brady's. I don't know why I haven't seen her cheat, but I 
don't trust it. What about you? I feel like it is Brady's because we we saw them begging all over the place in the first couple episodes. Um, and yeah, she doesn't seem like the kind to cheat, right. and she's really invested in him. But I do feel like she's second guessing wanting to have a child now with looking at Jack and then looking at her father and mm-hmm. possibly like you know Garrett or you know everybody yeah. seems suspect like so she doesn't want to pass on those genes and that's what a lot of people struggle with mm-hmm. that have that issues in their family is are these you know is it nature or is it nurture yeah exactly yeah. and so yeah it's like I say almost jokingly I guess that I feel like it's not Brady's because I ag- mm-hmm. I do agree with you yeah. that out of all of the people who would or wouldn't cheat, she is clearly, I think, like the most um, living in a fantasy. She lives in the fantasy world the most, and in her perfect fantasy world, I don't think she's cheating. No. But it just seems so out of the blue. Like, they've been trying and trying, and now suddenly, surprise, you're pregnant. So I thought that was a bomb. And then Naomi leaving. Now, I also, as Naomi walked out, mm. she says, you know, I can show you my letter of resignation. And Allison says, hey, don't worry about it. Do you feel like there's going to be some sort of bomb in that letter? Because I feel like there's something else coming. Oh, yeah. Naomi was in love. And mm-hmm. she felt like Allison was as well. And I do think she did have real feelings for her. But right now, you know, after what happened with the twins, mm-hmm. she feels like that's where she needs to be. And, you know, her and Tom are sticking together. And that's, I mean... Sorry, that's honestly the choice she should have made because this thing with Naomi is, you know, was a disaster waiting to happen anyway. And I know Gabe's going to be very upset, though. (laughs) But I'm not sure Naomi's officially gone, gone, gone because I do think she's going to drop a bomb. She is a woman scorned right now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I guess it's possible she'd go after Tom, too. Yeah, I feel like she's at least, she probably taped them at one point and is going to release a sex tape with her and Allison. That's usually the way to take a campaign Mm -hmm. is a sex tape. I could buy that as Mm. a theory. And I like that the sex tape might take them down. (laughs) Not the serial killer father, the sex tape. Not even bestiality. Yeah, sex tapes. Worse worse than bestiality. (laughs) Right, as long as we're ranking. (laughs) Then we get to... The, in the very, so in the very end of the show, we've got Brady who's looking in the files, and he's in a box that's labeled Brian Long, and we had seen that box mm-hmm. earlier when they were packaging things up, and um, it turns out that that is the box of things, I guess, from the house across the street, because later he and Detective Cutter are looking at the gnome footage, and I think the big reveal here is that there are two people. Mm-hmm. They notice that during that burglary, the Feng Shui burglar... There's a car that pulls up, but then someone gets in on the passenger side. So it does tell us what we've suspected. There is a second person. So I suppose we should just head into predictions now, because I know we want to talk. <laughs> and now, you're after Buzz TV. Predictions. I know. I feel like this is what we've been leading to all episode. We just have to hurry to get here. <laughs> Can we both say, are we in agreement it's Madeline? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've suspected her from day Mm. one. You know, usually in a matriarchy like that, the woman's the one who makes all the decisions, Mm. even let's murder people. (laughs) And I just can't picture that. And how did, I mean, we have to get more backstory if that's going to be the case. How they suddenly got together and Madeline is like, yeah, let's go murder people, honey. And he just goes along with it. Okay. I mean, have you ever seen a natural born killers? I mean, that's the whole plot of the movie, only flip flop. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, maybe that's where yeah. the TV show came from. <laughs> it's just, it's, I, I feel so like I didn't want it to be Madeline. I feel like I also wanted it to be one of the kids just to keep it more into this generation. She feels so much more removed, but 
I feel like I'm 100% on board Madeline right now. Well, it skips a generation, you know, like red hair, since Jack will be a murderer soon. <laughs> he will be. And I feel like as, I'm okay then with her being the murderer, but I hope they don't leave us hanging. I definitely want more of an explanation how they got started. We need a flashback somewhere in here. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah. I would love the flashback of them just, you know, plotting this out mm-hmm. like it's a dinner party. <laughs> right. Who should we kill oh. first? And the other thing that was interesting is when we were in the first murder house and you talked about the feng shui burglar, it sounded like there had maybe been even a couple others like that as well. So I wonder if we'll hear about a couple other, I guess, false starts. Yeah, and to me, it's just like, do we know if they've always lived in Boston? I mean, maybe they've done this somewhere else. I mean, and how long have they been together? I mean, those are the kind of things that I would be interested in learning. Now, the only thing I have to say, though, is... If it's true that Madeline's the killer, and we're finding out still so early, we have half of the season left, what are we going to do the other half? There's got to be another surprise in there. Yeah, to me, it's just like they've revealed so much already, and that's why I feel like it may be just setting up, like, Mm -hmm. okay, we're going to reveal this, and then Jack will do something, and then it'll be like, oh, that's the end. But he's so young. I, that's the thing. I mean, I know we talk a lot in the YouTube comments over the episodes about if Tessa had been involved. And the big comment is, hey, Tessa would have been about nine years old. So right around the age we think Jack is. So if that's the case, I just feel like we can't get Jack in there actually committing murder. I don't know. I mean, they do love killer kids. I mean, there's an entire show on Lifetime, I believe, about, like, the stories of, like, kids that, like, became serial killers and things like that. You know, the start of these things. So, it is something that is very popular right now. And, I mean, heck, even on soaps, they've done demon seeds. (laughs) That's right. And anything can happen in a show like this. Well, this has been a great discussion, and I can't wait to find out then what is coming next, and I hope there's a big reveal other than Madeline being the killer. So, Lucretia, where can everyone find you on social media? You guys can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N, anywhere on the internet, since there is only one. And I'm Zoe Hewitt. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zoe Said What. That's Z-O-E Said What. You can also find me on YouTube at Zoe Hewitt Hosting, where I do a weekly movie analysis show. And you can also find me right back here at AfterBuzz on Friday. I'll be doing our Olympic pre-show, so it'll be great. Can't wait to see the opening ceremonies. Uh, Thanks for joining us on this week's American Gothic. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 